M A I N M U M U Main Menu Main Menu Welcome to Main Menu for December 17th, 2010. I'm Jamie Pauls. This week, Dr. Robert Carter and Larry Skutkon talk about the past, present, and future of accessible technology. That's coming up on this edition of Main Menu. And welcome once again to this edition of Main Menu. I am Jamie Pauls. Glad to have you along. Before we get to our main feature tonight, I'd like to take a couple moments and give you a couple of tech announcements, tech updates, if you will. Chase Crispin, who regularly does the tech update feature, is under the weather this week. If you are a JAWS user and you use iTunes with the JTunes script from TNT Consultancy, this week TNT Consultancy announced version 5.5 of the JTunes scripts. These scripts work with versions 11 and 12 of JAWS, and they support version 10.1 of iTunes. The scripts do a number of things, including reduce the amount of speech heard when arrowing through items in iTunes, uh, give better focus in the different areas of iTunes, and provide quick keys to various parts of iTunes, just to name a few things. You can go to www.tandt-consultancy.com to learn about the scripts, download a demo, and um, download the upgrade to the scripts if you already have them, and certainly purchase them if you wish. If you are a Windows user, GW Micro has announced this week that custom scripting is available. If you would like a script written either for personal or for professional use, you can pay a fee to have GW Micro do an estimate for you. They will quote you a price on what it will cost to have the script written, how long it will take to write it, that sort of thing. You can visit www.gwmicro.com to find out more about GW's custom scripting. Hearing from you, the listener, is very important to us here at Main Menu. You can send us feedback by emailing mainmenu at acbradio.org. That's mainmenu at acbradio.org. Would you like to know what's happening on Main Menu and possibly interact with other listeners as well? To join the Main Menu Friends mailing list, send a blank message to mm-friends-subscribe at acbradio.org. That's mm-friends-subscribe at acbradio.org. To join an announce-only list where you can learn about all of the programming on ACB Radio, send a blank message to announce-subscribe at acbradio.org. That's announce-subscribe at acbradio.org. If you would like to interact with other ACB Radio listeners, send a blank message to friends-subscribe at acbradio.org. That's friends-subscribe at acbradio.org. You can follow Main Menu on Twitter by visiting www.twitter.com mainmenu. That's www.twitter.com mainmenu. Finally, you can call the Main Menu comment line at 206-339-0954. That's 206-339-0954.
Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Tech Doctor podcast. We have a really special edition, at least it's special to me. I've entitled this particular episode, The Past, Present, and Future of Accessible Technology. And I'm very excited about taking a little journey here for the next 30, 45 minutes, an hour, ever how long it takes, starting back about 30 years ago when I was beginning to really get interested in microprocessor-based technology and, and how to make it accessible to people who are blind. And I have a man with me on the Tech Doctor podcast this evening that I met around that time, about 30 years ago, when he was writing software for the Apple II uh, computer. He went on to have some real success with Apple software. He has spent some time leading a group of very talented developers at the American Printing House for the Blind. He's owned his own company during all that time. In recent years, he uh, took on the podcasting hobby himself and set up a website that's known to just about everyone who has an interest in blindness and technology. The website, of course, is Blind Cool Tech. And it's a real pleasure for me to welcome my friend and colleague, Larry Scootcon to the Tech Doctor podcast. And thanks for being here, Larry. Well, thank you, Robert. What a what a great introduction. You, you make me have chill bumps. Oh, oh, well. <laughs> and and you are a friend. <laughs> yeah, we have. It has been. We've known each other over half our lives. <laughs> yes, we have. Let's start back and talk a little bit about when we first got to know each other. Because I'm curious about a few things. I first heard about the Apple II in the late. 70s, and I took an, uh, an AppleSoft basic programming course in about 1979 or 80, but I had no screen reader at that time except for the humans who were in the class with me taking the course. But it seemed like all of a sudden you just appeared on the scene with this very slick, well-written, and soon-to-be-popular piece of software called ProWords, which was a word processor for the Apple II. But how in the world did you find out about it and discover that you could make it talk to you? And just tell us a little bit about how did you do that? Because it seemed like one day the Apple II came out and the next day ProWords came along, but I'm sure it wasn't quite that fast. But (laughs) how did you you do all that? I uh, actually got uh, kind of inspired by a book that I borrowed from NLS. It was about synthesized speech. And I got to considering all the possibilities, and not too long after that, I went out and bought a TI-99-4A and uh, would actually use a cassette player for my review. <laughs> you know, you'd list, I, you know, I, I, it was just intriguing how you could write software. You know, here was this tool that you could program yourself. So one of the first things I did with it was actually to uh, write a little screen reader for it. I mean, it was a... A different kind of screen reader because it was uh, basically like a, a shell that you put around every program you wrote, and uh, just started playing with that and uh, was was fascinated. Long comes out the Apple IIe, and I, I just thought I was in heaven with that TI ninety nine four A. Exactly, <laughs> a whole different uh, piece of heaven came along. Yeah, it was it was stepping up to a new plate there. 
And uh, it was really easy to write software for it. I mean, uh, when you turned it on, you were at a prompt uh, in BASIC. You could start typing line numbers and write, write software right there. Borrowed a lot of books from RFB&D to learn how to do it and got interested kind of in the assembly language part of it. It was just a fascinating machine. It was uh, really wide open. You know, you could uh, go into what they called the monitor and actually type in assembly code right then and there and have it execute. And, you know, just the way that worked was so, so cool. And uh, at the time I was in college, uh, I was thinking about going to law school and uh, I was uh, getting a degree in English. And I, I thought, you know, what I ought to do is write a word processor so that I could uh, do my papers without, um, you know, having to type them blindly, so to speak. I, exactly. I know a lot of people listening to this probably can't even imagine that, but you used to sit down and let her rip and <laughs> let the cards fall where they may. You are absolutely right. And that's exactly how I did my uh, papers in, in high school and college, you know, was just sit down at a typewriter and typed in the information, even though I couldn't read a, read a lick of it, you know, no, no feedback whatsoever. Uh, and, and, you know, just the fact that you can edit what you've written on a PC was worlds ahead for us, you know? Oh, it was, it was just a, a huge thing. But so you, you got this Apple IIe and uh, apparently uh, back then, I don't know what you used, but I guess most of us used that Echo 2 speech card yeah. for street electronics. Oh, yeah. And I guess you, you heard about that somewhere or somehow you found out. I'm surprised to hear there were books available from RFB&D and NLS and all that e- even back then. Yeah, no, I know. I was really lucky. Uh, yeah, there, actually RFB&D did pretty good. You could uh, still, as it is today, you could send them a book if they didn't have it. But, yeah, they had a couple of books on AppleSoft programming and uh, – it uh, it worked out great. It's nice and easy to do and fun. I, I really love that word processor. Uh, you know, because with software you can kind of do whatever you want. There's no well, there's time penalties, but you know, in carpentry, if you screw up, you uh, you know, you wasted a bunch of material. With this, you just waste a bunch of time. <laughs> well, yeah. But I, but I, I wrote this. Uh, so when you press the down arrow, you know, it would actually move by sentences instead of lines on the screen. And yeah, that's, I, uh, I remember that. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. And, you know, I think one of the things that I will always remember, you were talking about how you could so easily uh, jump into the monitor and write assembly language. And I remember occasionally I would um, – call you on the phone or maybe see you somewhere at a presentation or something, I'd say, Larry, you know, this thing is doing this or that or it ought to do this or that. And you'd say, wait a minute. And you just jump in there and make it do it. You know, and it, I, I will always remember that. And it, it would just take you a few minutes to, to, to put in the code and compile it and it would be doing whatever that thing was I thought I wanted it to do or, or, or something. Uh, I don't remember that, but I do know uh, I, I knew that apple <laughs> like the back of my hand. You know, <laughs> it was funny. Uh, you, you know, you could uh, like I say, I still remember three D zero G. Isn't that weird? And even a couple of the addresses, like where you'd print stuff out <laughs> after all these years. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. It 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 really became a a part of your psyche, a part of your heart. You know, a part of your mind. And it, it does. Uh, yeah, and you know, I guess we were really um, lucky at that time because there were 
people like you who who were willing to share information and also the people from Raise.Computing, uh, David Holliday and Karen Navy, they published a newsletter, which I wrote some articles for. And mm-hmm. uh, but, but, you know, they, they were willing to publish the technical information about the super serial card and what the dip switches meant and, and all that stuff. And, and that was really helpful to those of us who were trying hard to learn this brand new technology. Oh, absolutely. They were they were stellar in that field. And, you know, that was a whole other uh, portion of the assistive technology that they were taking a great lead in with uh, Braille embossing and uh, the Braille editors and just did a great job with that. Yeah, and, and you know, that is another whole um, piece <clears throat> of it with things like the, the Versa Braille. I had one, and, you know, that, that thing was uh, – really a precursor to today's laptop type devices and note note taking devices and all that. Absolutely. Yeah. And 30 years ago. Yeah. And they interfaced, uh, that the, the Versa Braille w- w- with the Apple II, And, and that was, that was exciting because you, you could, you could get Braille output from what you'd written. And that t- takes that whole idea of getting feedback on what you write up to even a whole new level. If you're a Braille user, cause you can not only, hear it with a speech, but you can read it on the Braille display. And, and you know, I, I don't know. I, I've rarely been as excited in my life as when my Apple IIe first talked to me and when I saw some of that information <laughs> coming back on the Braille display. What, what It was like something that I had never imagined would even happen in my lifetime. I, I'd never even, you know, dreamed of, of that happening like that. Isn't that, isn't that incredible? And, and – you know, to go from nothing to that in, in just a short amount of time, it was, it's pretty mind-boggling. And, uh, and look at the advances now. You know, you've got a hundred times that Apple computer in your pocket, you know. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. You're, you're exactly right. It, it is amazing. And, but, you know, I give a lot of credit to, to, um, to that whole creative process that you certainly got caught up in and to, to, you were able to put your – your brain and your talents into developing, you know, something so cool as, as pro words. And of course I have to admit my favorite around that time was, was pro term. Cause it, it, uh, it was a terminal program that you wrote and it let me go online and get on CompuServe and uh, get, on, yeah. <laughs> get on Genie and get on, uh, you know, some of the BBSs that were, that were around at that time, and, and and how cool was that? I mean, you know, we had no internet. Oh, the internet! Uh, we could uh, we couldn't even imagine that. <laughs> we couldn't imagine that, but we still, even then, began to develop some communication networks and mm-hmm. some ways of exchanging information. And they were very vibrant communities too, just just like. They aren't, you know, those kind of forums are today, except everything, of course, was in its own discrete little uh, space. Yeah, but I, I remember how excited I was. I had a 300 baud uh, modem that w- actually had, it, w- it wasn't an acoustic coupler, it was actually a direct connect modem, but it had a switch on it that once you uh, got the service um, tone, you had to flip the switch to get the modem to actually go ahead and connect. <laughs> And you could hear the individual characters coming across. <laughs> you, you could at 300 baud, you know. You, yeah. you, it, it was 
what a time that was and boy when when we finally jumped up to 1200 and you know 9600 and we got the US robotics modems man I I thought we were just really doing something back then <laughs> we were we we were and what, what an exciting time that was but what was that like for you to did did you get a lot of uh um, response from people on this software, and was I mean, was it kind of like having a hit song? Uh, it really is. Yeah, it really was. Uh, it was amazing the response that was out there because uh, you know I kind of I didn't really know if I was the only one that was interested in this or not. And uh, what what was really exciting was even a little later on when I wrote that um, screen reader for the um, IBM PC. I mean that was. You know, that was probably a hundred times more people knew about that than uh, with ProWords. But it was great to get, uh, you know, ideas and feedback. And, you know, people would say, uh, you know, this if you could just do this. And, you know, I, I, it's funny. I learned early on. I, I'll never forget. Somebody made a suggestion to me, and I thought, now that is really crazy. Why would anybody ever want to do that? But I went ahead and stuck it in there, and, you know, I turned out to be the biggest user of that feature ever. And it, it really made me think, you know, you, you need to uh, keep your mind open, even if, you, <laughs> even if it uh, isn't immediately obvious. Uh, but, that you know, I love that, getting that uh, feedback. And, and even today, um, it is like having a hit song out there. Um, and, I, you know, I don't quite understand why, but uh, as far as... You know, to me, it's just something that is interesting and fun to do. And, and you know, actually, it even gets better all the time. Uh, the programming tools have advanced now, too, um, along with the, everything else. So it, it is really an interesting time. Well, it is an interesting time. And I love the idea of keeping an open mind because that's really something that 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 – We'll talk more about. I'm sure when we get talk more about the present, but but Apple has really done that for me in recent years because they keep innovating almost faster than I can. Keep Isn't that up. fun? But, you know, yeah. but, to, but to open your mind to the to the touch screen and all that, we'll 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 talk about that in a minute. But I, I don't want to. I'm not quite done yet with 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 the early days because um, I'm curious about. I guess in about 1984, when they came out with the Macintosh, a lot of uh, blind people around the mid-80s were moving from the Apple II to the IBM PC and clones and, and MS-DOS because um, it just didn't seem like the Apple support was, was there or something. At least that was my impression. I, I, I did it kind of kicking and screaming. I didn't really want to leave my... Apple, and in fact, I uh, in 1988 or so, still wrote my uh, dissertation, uh, my for my PhD on 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 the Apple for the most part. Um, mm. You know, I uh, but but what, tell 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 me a little bit about that that time for you. How did you get from the the Apple II, where you were so you knew it so well and you were programming so such hot stuff for it? You eventually apparently moved to the PC because that's when you came out with, with ASAP. So how'd that come about? Well, it, it really is a lot. Like you said, it was pretty clear that Apple wasn't uh, behind the two series anymore, even though, uh, you know, we, 
I think you and I both probably had a 2C and a 2GS. We, we tried to ride it out as long as we could. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I went over kicking and screaming, too, uh, very similar to when Windows came out. You know, we all were comfortable the way we were and things worked. That, w- that was actually pretty easy to write software for, too. Um, I, I actually came into it kind of late. Uh, people, you know, when I when I mentioned that I was writing a screen reader, people were like, why? There's already like six of them out there. About what year was that? Do you know? I think it was 91. And, you know, I, I wrote the thing in six months flat. I mean, I just spent every evening down there banging away on it. Well, what we're talking about here is a program called the Automatic Screen Access Program, or ASAP, which was a, a an, an MS-DOS screen reader, but it was unique in that it really was uh, what the name suggests. It was a pretty automatic screen reader. I mean, it would anticipate literally the information that you needed or were going to need on the screen and, and read that for you. I mean... Is that the way you intended it to be, or is that what you were shooting for? Yeah, I'm, I, I wanted it to for for us to be able to use the PC like a sighted person did. So, you know, at the time, most of the screen readers you had to go into review and set this and that, and it, it was a chore to use it. And I wanted to just be able to use the keys like a sighted person did, and it. It really was a pretty simple idea. It just looked for things that changed on the screen and, and just spoke out what it thought was the most obvious change. And, it, it you know, it took a little fine-tuning to get it right, but uh, it worked out pretty well, actually. It did, because most of the time what it did speak was the information that, that you wanted. At least that was my experience with it. And so you wrote that in six months, huh? Well, I mean, the initial version, yeah, you know, as, as with all software, it just kept on and on over the years. But uh, to, to get that first version out there, yeah, it, uh, it was amazingly quick and easy. It's hard to even think about writing a program in six months now, although, yeah, I guess you still could. <laughs> well, you know, you, you say quick and easy, but you were a guy who um, – I don't know how you are now that, you know, we're old, but, but, uh, back then you were a guy who had just, it seems like a lot of energy and a lot of passion for what you were doing. And I bet, I bet, you know, it seems easy now, but I bet a lot of, a lot of late nights, a lot of sweat when it went into that software. Oh, absolutely. But you know what? It was fun. It was exciting because you could see things happening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's got to be one of the one of the greatest things about software development is that you can, at the end of the day, um, see where you're going or see what what you've accomplished. And that's one of the you know things that sometimes is missing in a profession like mine of psychology, where you may not ever know really whether you had an impact because you may not ever see the person again, but, but software is not quite like that. And, and, and sometimes it's so nice, I think, to have that gratification and, you know, it's, you're, you're absolutely right. That, that is a big part of it. It's, it's nice to, um, you know, it's very much like being a carpenter. You have something at the end that you can show for what you've done. And, uh, 
and that and seeing the effect it has on other people it's you know that, that's really gratifying to say you know you hear people say oh i love the way this works and you know um I mean, now I think I've even got it better over there at APH than when I was writing it all myself because I've got like eight guys writing it for me now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, you, yes, absolutely. You really have a talented group of people over they there. They are. They're amazing. And, and they are amazing. And, and, you know, we'll probably talk some about some of what, what you all have done over there. But when ASAP came along, um, my memory of it, it, you know, what I knew about it was – I don't know how long it took for it to happen, but but really in, in this uh, context, in this community, ASAP became a very popular piece of software. I mean, it, 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 it was a hit. It was, yeah, absolutely. And, and um, how long did that how, – how, how does that work? How, when you have something like that, uh, um, you know, how, did, how do you – how do you live um, with it, or you know, do do you just work on it all the time? Do you do you constantly make changes to it, or do you just uh, does, does it kind of take on a life of its own, or what? Uh, it, Robert, you hit the nail on the head on all those. Absolutely, yeah. you you uh, you know, it's something that you have a passion for, and uh, you don't you don't mind putting some hours in it. And you know, as far as the mechanics of, of the business part of it. Um, you know, I was lucky enough that my wife was able to uh, handle all the orders, and uh, we set up a little office system there. And I, you know, I continued actually to work at APH for another year or so after that. And uh, so it, it was pretty funny. You know, we oh, I can't remember the numbers now, but we just get a crazy amount of orders every day, and. I was making way more off of ASAP than I was at APH. And I'm thinking, you know, I'm kind of wasting my time going over there. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And, and so you were really faced with a, with a decision, you know, about what, what to do at that point. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And I guess that's when you um, stepped away from APH for a while and, and devoted your time full time to, to MicroTalk. Uh, yep. Uh, moved out to uh, Texas. Uh, actually, had a little office downtown there, and uh, hired another uh, programmer and tech support guy and uh, uh, office person, and just had a full fledged uh, setup going there. And so, you know, uh, Charcy, the other programmer, and I just uh, spent our whole days coding and. Dennis took care of the technical support, and uh, Donna handled. Uh, Donna and my kids handled the orders, and uh, if they weren't busy with orders, the girls were in there scanning, programming books. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I remember those days, and and I got to know uh, Dennis well during that time. He was a, a great guy, an, an amazing guy. Mm-hmm, and, sure is. And um, you know, it was just um, interesting because again. Um, this technology keeps taking these twists and turns, but again, uh, about the time, I guess, that ASAP was rolling along really well, um, Windows really became the thing, and people started leaving MS-DOS. Mm-hmm. And we were all very scared of that, too. You remember that? Of course. And, you know, people were saying, well... 
uh, windows can never be made accessible and and we're going to be left out. I remember uh, people people making lots of statements like that. Yeah, it's, a, it's kind of a pattern, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it seems like it works that way. But you and, and other people did uh, develop Windows screen readers and, and uh, pretty quickly became obvious that especially I don't I don't think things I don't think I don't recall too much happening with Windows 3.11 or whatever it was mm-hmm. uh, but but things really started happening at least in the access technology area with with Windows 95 yeah that <clears throat> I think there might have been one or two screen readers for uh, Windows 3.1 but uh, Windows 95 made things uh, a, a bit Better. There was a lot more consistency, a much uh, much more well-designed system, so it was uh, a little less cluttered to write that kind of software for. To, you know, a screen reader is really a pretty invasive piece of software to put on your PC. Uh, a lot of code goes through there, you know, every video call. And, uh, you know, every time something gets written to the screen, that screen reader's got its hands in it, so... It, uh, it it puts a hurting on the system, and uh, Windows was uh, constructed in such a way that you could you could do that. Of course, that's what also made viruses possible. <laughs> right, but, right, exactly. Yeah, made viruses possible, and it, it's also what makes people who are into the technology who don't know anything about screen readers cringe at least you know the people that that i work with in the computer area at the university they they see this screen reader on my machine and how and they realize how invasive it is and they they really worry that you know well it's it's gonna break their uh piece of software it's gonna bog this or that down and and sometimes the screen readers do that but i think to to everyone's credit who develops them at least uh you know the ones that i use these days um they do a pretty good job of of staying out of the way of other people's code they do they absolutely do uh you know I, you you hear you're, you're right the it people cringe at these absolutely. things because they uh, they will they'll slow down a fast machine uh, I mean, there's no doubt about it. They're they're good at what they do, though. And if you ever want to put any software through a, you know, a, a test, a screen reader is a, some real, some real uh, stress for it. Yes, absolutely. You, you, I, I know that. I've had had that experience many times. But we're kind of we're kind of back. We're kind of heading more uh, toward the present here. You know, as we're uh, moving along through this past, present, and future. Um, you know, because around that time, things really started coming into play, like email and 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 the web and things that a little more similar to what to the way that we know things today. Even though that was, you know, the mid '90s, that was fifteen fifteen years ago. That's hard to believe, but yeah, you know, it, it was that long ago. But I remember um, coming up to uh, Texarkana one. One weekend, when when uh, Windows ninety five was pretty new, and spending the weekend with with you and and our friend Clarence Whaley, really learning how to navigate that that operating system. Yeah, that was a that was a real change for us. Uh, 
it was a whole new uh, paradigm, and uh, yeah, we had a great time that weekend. Yeah, we when we really got after it, we we stuck stuck with it, and, and uh, you <laughs> you taught us a, a lot about it, and and you know we all we were all kind of uh, very intrigued, I think, by the possibilities and trying to figure out how to really access those possibilities and make them work for us, and and that's that's. I guess one of the things I love most about access technology or making things accessible, you know, I, I, I realized that even though uh, your goal with ASAP was to use the computer like a sighted person, and, and these days we do that to, to, to a reasonable extent, I think. But, you know, I, I'm into the, to the Mac these days, and, and, and it works well um, with a screen reader, but when I try to talk to my wife and tell her, who, and she's a sighted person, how to use the Mac, um, she uses it very differently th- th- than the way that I do. And I think, I think we'll, th- there's no way around that because we're trying to take a visual machine and, and make it auditory. Absolutely, and when you start talking about the touch interfaces, it's even more so, more more differently used. Yeah, it is, and and that's one of the interesting things you know that's happened in in recent years. Now, in the present here, is that for I guess for a good twenty years, um, you know, maybe closer to twenty five, from about nineteen eighty four until just a few years ago um there wasn't a whole lot going on for people who are blind in the apple arena um i mean there there were a few i know of at least one screen reader for the mac but i never used it and and never really got excited about it and most people were in the windows environment but you know and just a few years ago when when apple switched to um, Intel and they got serious about accessibility. That they really have come come back into this arena again after being gone for so long. And I'm a little, you know, a little frustrated that they stayed out of it for so long. But I'm re- at the same time really glad they're back. And I, I'm curious to know how you feel about all that. Well, I I, uh, I love my Mac. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. It's uh, it, it was frustrating that they were away for so long, but they came back with a, a vengeance. And uh, you know, I, actually, I wasn't really too impressed with the, the voiceovers, the first two versions or so. But um, with the version where they added the quick nav in there, it has really become a powerful uh, tool, and it's it's. You know, all such well-built hardware. It's it's just a pleasure to use it. Um, I, I I love my Mac. I actually wouldn't mind writing a screen reader for it, even though there's a, a free one on it. And then you know that's on my list of uh, projects to take a look at someday. Because um, I th- I think you could actually make it a little slicker. But uh-huh. um, yeah, yeah, I I bet you could. And and um, I wouldn't be surprised if you don't do that someday. Yeah, it's definite possibility. <laughs> You're kind of like me, though. There's, there's uh, always more things that I want to do than I have time to do, and I always hope I'll get to them, and I'll get to as many of them as I can. But you know, um, 
there's so much exciting new going on that it's hard to slow down and I, I would think and de- develop something like that. You, you must be pulled in a lot of different directions. Oh, I, I am a ways. Time is my most precious friend. You're, you're right. Uh, but, uh, you know, in a lot of ways you can make things work um, for you too, you know, and, and like, like I know with the, uh, when I wrote ASAP, I was just moving over to the, the to the IBM. So it was a, uh, a way to learn the system while you were creating something. Uh, and, you know, you can really learn a lot about a machine when you're, uh, when you're programming it. Uh, and, you know, I, I would like to have the time to get in and learn the innards of, of, um, this OS, uh, 10 system. It's a, it's a very powerful one, and you know uh, I've dipped into it a little bit, and uh, I really like what I see. And uh, you know, as you well know, the the uh, it just works. <laughs> Larry, what what do you think about this idea, which which really is kind of um, a paradigm shift, kind of controversial in some ways? That that Apple seems to me has really pushed forward, where they as a as a major uh, manufacturer, major company that they are, where they have just started including their screen reader in their products at no additional charge, which is a different paradigm than what we're used to. I'd just be curious to know, what are your thoughts about that? Do, do, do you, do, is it a good idea, not a good idea? Is it, um, what do you think? Well, I've heard all, the, or not all, but I've heard a lot of the arguments on how it, it could be a good idea or it couldn't, but um, my personal opinion is I think it's a great idea. I, I think that Apple is setting the bar for other companies to, um, you know, show them that putting accessibility in there is not impossible, even with a seemingly impossible task like a touchscreen. And uh, you know, there's there's really hopefully in a in a few years. I know we've been saying this for thirty years, Robert. That uh, there should be no excuse for something not to be accessible. Yeah. You know, especially now that the population is, uh, you know, uh, we have so many older Americans that are losing their sight. Um, accessibility, I think, is really something that companies need to consider. Yeah, I I, I really um, agree with that, and I think Apple has not only, you know, they didn't talk the talk, they walked the walk. They they showed us that it could be done. And, of course, they have huge uh, resources and more money than they know what to do with and fabulous engineers, I'm sure, and people who are probably the, some of the best creative minds in the world, you know, that they have a, at their disposal to work on accessibility if that's how they choose to spend some of their time but yeah to have it built in from the ground up is is really what a lot of us myself included has advocated for or has dreamed of you know and that that's not not to take anything away from from things like what you developed and other screen reader manufacturers over the years have developed we, those things were critical we we had to have them because there were there were there was no other choice but but this does change the landscape a little bit it, it does and you know uh i don't i'm i like you i think these companies freedom scientific and gw are doing a great job but let's face it a thousand dollars is a lot of money to pay for 
<laughs> just being able to use your computer. And I think one of the things it's done is it's going to bring the price down. And a lot of people say, well, it's going to take away all the competition. And, and it has for the moment. But I can see a screen reader being developed for the Apple and selling for 50 or or 100 bucks. I mean, I would, I would pay for it if it was better and made me more productive. Especially if it was 50 or or 100 bucks. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that is maybe one of the major things that I see going on right now is that people are starting to make more noise about, wait a minute, you know, if, if Apple can build this in, I don't want to pay $1,000 for this screen reader for my, for, for, for my Windows machine. And I think there's just been a level of consciousness that has been tapped into, and it's going to be very interesting to see where that leads us, I think, in, you know, in the next few years. Well, and, you know, one of the arguments people have against uh, doing it this way, too, is, you know, there's the argument of, well, how are you going to get uh, technical support and bugs fixed when you have to go through such a big company? But they have been amazingly responsive. I mean, that they actually surprise us with the... Uh, the features they come out with, well, you know, look, they just added Bluetooth, uh, Braille, and keyboard support to the iPhone here back in, what, June, I think it was. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I actually um, uh, borrowed one of the, one of your uh, APH uh, refresher Brailles. Um, Isn't that a uh, sweet little display? Yeah, for an <laughs> evening, and I, I immediately was able to uh, connect it. To my iPhone, you know, and yeah. What a cool thing that was, and it, there was no, it wasn't difficult to do, and I, I didn't even have to pull out my my usual level of geekdom nerdiness to make it happen, you know. So no manuals or anything. Huh? No, no, I didn't have a manual or anything, but um, but but it it did, it, it just worked, and and so you know this. Let let's just talk a minute about the the whole. Um, touchscreen be, beyond the Macs, you know, when uh, last summer when the iPhone 3GS um, was announced and it was announced that uh, that it had voiceover built into it. I was actually in uh, Europe at the time and I um, I, I heard a, a podcast uh, talking about this and and I was and my son and I were listening to this podcast. We were on a plane and uh he looked down and realized we were both sitting there doing these gestures we were hearing about on our pants leg. <laughs> and, and so, uh, so my wife gave us a really hard time about that for quite a while about how nerdy we really are. But, you know, just, just the idea that we were going to be able to do gestures on these screens and have voiceover respond was, was really an incredible thing to me. Oh, it yeah, it changed the landscape. Uh, I mean, nobody would have predicted that we'd be using touchscreen phones two years ago. Yeah, I remember telling my father at one point. You know, um, he was asking me, "Did I did I did I have an iPhone?" And I said, "No," and 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 I probably never will because because it'll never be accessible. <laughs> Those were some good words to eat, weren't they? <laughs> they were some yummy words to eat. Yes, yes, indeed, they were. And um, but what do do you um, do you have much experience with the touchscreen interface, and do, do you do you have many thoughts about it, or do you like it, not like it? Well, I, I love the uh, the ability to get spatial relationships on the touchscreen. 
And I just saw a program the other day that I think is going to change the landscape again. And it's a, it's a little program that runs on Android phones called Intersection Explorer. I heard about that. And it's, it's a map. And you, you touch the middle of the screen and then you circle around and you get a vibration wherever there's a road leading away from uh, where you first touched. Mm-hmm. And uh, it really gives you an awareness of uh, spatial relationships and the angles of roads, the way they run. Very exciting little, you know, it, it's a little rough right now. I've got a few bugs in it, but the concept is great. And uh, But don't you think that, you know, really um, uh, something like that could be very useful in terms of planning your route before you go out? And you would pretty, have a pretty good idea of what, that tur- what those turns were going to be like. I've been loving just learning about some of the streets that I've never walked around here in my own neighborhood and seeing where they go and what they run into. It's It really is an effective interface. And, you know, when you can take the touch screen and, uh, and uh, well, I'm going to talk a little bit about the future. I know we're not ready for that no, yet. No, we, we, uh, we can jump into the future. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you combine that spatial relationship uh, abilities with some feedback and right now we've got vibration for haptic feedback but you know a lot of the uh, there's a lot of work going on right now believe it or not and well you probably do Robert with um, some electroactive polymers and other technologies where in a few years we'll actually be able to feel uh, items on the screen buttons uh, you know I think the easiest thing to think of is uh, a telephone dialing pad would would morph itself on your touch screen, and you'd be, and, you'd feel those buttons. Yeah, and they would actually go in when you pushed them. Uh, it would be a complete haptic feedback. Uh, so when you combine, you know, those two technologies, even though uh, the the uh, touch screen, uh, uh, the electroactive polymers aren't uh, quite ready for prime time yet, but I. I I think in the next few years we'll be seeing uh, that kind of uh, progress. And, you know, you can think, wow, if you could feel everything, um, you know, a keyboard could pop up on your uh, iPhone or a, a map, uh, graphics, even animated graphics. It's it's really interesting to uh, think of the possibilities. It is fascinating. That That is very interesting to me, and I can't wait to see – how that evolves and develops. And, and you mentioned uh, the Android um, uh, operating system, Android phones. And, and I think that just in the last couple months, I'm really starting to hear some exciting accessibility possibilities for Android. And, you know, I'm a big iPhone fan, and I'll admit that, but I'm awfully excited to see this other platform being developed like this. Oh, it can be uh, nothing but good for for us as consumers. <laughs> that that good old American competition. <laughs> Absolutely, I you know it it seems to drive everything. <laughs> Do you have other comments that come to the top of of your head about um, about the future? I mean, is there anything that you really, if if we sort of project out five, ten years, anything that you really anticipate other than than what you've mentioned anything you really look forward to 
Oh, absolutely. Uh, it, I love thinking about the future because uh, it's it's interesting to um, see little pieces of it coming. Like we were talking about with the iPod, if, if you'll remember, the Nano uh, came out with a version of a version of VoiceOver on it uh, a year or so, I think, before the uh, iPhone did. And I mean, it was a crude version, but you could say, well, well, hey, they're putting some consideration into this. But yeah, as far as um, I think a couple of things uh, on the software front, um, we need to um, watch the web 2.0, things like Google Docs and Google Spreadsheets and uh, some of these applications. It's kind of funny. We've come full circle, you know, back in the 50s, everything, uh, we just had little terminals and everything was run on these uh, central processors out there somewhere and then in the 60s and 70s and 80s we all desktops we thought that was the greatest thing where everybody could have their own computing power well now we're going back to um, this distributed computing power again and uh, with a lot more uh, interesting twist to it now too and it's so amazing how quickly this software evolves Mm mm-hmm um, you know, I, like I say, I've been playing with this Android a little bit, and it, it's just amazing just to uh, just to try to keep up with it. Yeah. And it, you know, there's so many people working on it. So, you know, these uh, this whole idea of the web-based applications that that I think is a, a wave of the future. And you know, we've been reading that for 20 years, but it's here now. I, you know, they're not exactly a lot of them aren't the best accessibility, but and there's another fun place where somebody could do some real significant accessibility work. But another trend, I think, for the future is um, just what we're talking about. I really don't think that we're going to be uh, having desktop PCs around for another, you know, in another decade or so. Um, I imagine uh, you'll you'll take your phone out of your pocket, and if you... uh, if you need a physical keyboard, um, there'll there'll be one wirelessly available for you at your at your desk at your workstation or whatever. But yeah, it's all it's all going mobile, and uh, isn't it a great thing to have all those sensors in there? You know, you got your camera and your GPS and uh, tilt and compass uh, accelerometers all in one device. You know, that's uh, a lot you can do with it, and I think that's just going to increase. Uh, faster and more furious you know there's already a lot of uh, old, uh new tablets all inspired by the ipad uh, coming out this fall that are um, running various versions of android and some windows and stuff so those are um, those are some pretty exciting things to think about too yeah you're right there are very exciting things coming along and and i think the mobile space really is where it's all going. Even yesterday, Apple had their press conference about their new version of operating system, which they're going to call Lion. And really what they've done is taken the best of the mobile space, the iOS interface, and integrating it into into the Mac. And they called it back to the Mac. You know, they're, they're bringing it back around. <laughs> yeah. And um, I think that's just, just, a, just, a, just an example of that's, that's where we're heading, and I don't know about you, but I mean, I um, I haven't used a, a desktop machine at home for quite a few years, except for very little. We do have an iMac here, but I don't use it. I, I all I do is 
back it up and keep the software updated on it. You know, you know what else is interesting, Robert? If you think about it, we don't we don't use our PCs without the internet anymore either. The days are gone when you just turn on a PC and you're isolated. You know, if you're not connected now, you're not really using it. It's really boring. Yeah. If, if you're not connected, it, it's really boring. And so that's why we all want this connectivity everywhere we are. Because you, what, what I think you're saying is we, we are, whether we like it or not, we are moving to the, to the cloud. I mean, that, that's, where, that's where our stuff's going to live. Yep, absolutely. And, and that, that's, I mean, that, that just makes all kinds of sense. It's just the way it's going to be. We're not going to need these hugely powerful PCs. I mean, look at, look at how much we've been able to do on these little uh, devices like, like the, the iPhones and Android phones and, and even, you know, things like some of the things that you all have done at APH, the, the Braille Plus, things like that. You know, uh, look how, how much power you get out of all that because of the fact that you can connect it to the Internet. Right. And, and, you know, the hardware is moving so quickly, too, that, you know, that you've, I've got a computer sitting over here on my desk that I used to use. Um, that my, my phone is twice as fast as that computer. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it is amazing. And, and, you know, fits, fits, like you said, in your pocket. How exciting is that? I mean, I think that we have really so much to look forward to. And, you know, Larry, it's so cool because we've had so much already and just the realization that there's so much more to come. It's, it, w- what an exciting thing that is. It really is. It, it, uh, it kind of um, makes you ex- excited to see if you can uh, live long enough to, <laughs> to uh, really embrace all these changes. And uh, none of us will. But uh, No, but I, I hope... We live long enough to embrace quite a few more of them. No, definitely. That's that's, that's what I'm hoping for. (laughs) Well, I I think this has been a really neat discussion, and I appreciate you taking some time out just to kind of reminisce with me and and think about where we've been and where we are and where we're going. It's just kind of cool to take a little time to do that sometimes. That was fun, Robert. Thank you for inviting me onto your show. Well, I will um, draw this to a close for now and say again uh, thank you to you, Larry, and anyone who would like to comment on what we've talked about here. Feel free to email the Tech Doctor at techdoctor123 at gmail.com. That's T-E-C-H-D-O-C-T-O-R, the number's 123, at gmail.com. And with that, we'll say so long for this time, and thanks again, Larry. It's been really fun. Thank you, Robert. That concludes this edition of Main Menu. We trust you've enjoyed the program. On behalf of the entire Main Menu team, I'm Jamie Pauls wishing you and yours a great week.